there is something in the nature of God that wants his love to be shared with other people. And I think that's, that's the most, most uh, powerful driving force in my own life. I'm not saying it's always there, but this realization that God loves people and God wants his love to be made known and as I said, that to me is the most powerful driving force in God's own nature and his desire that people know about his love to the, to the degree that they can come into vital relationship with him. Other people and their great need I don't ever remember hearing anything in all the time I've been in Southwestern as a student, in faculty lounge or anywhere else. I don't remember ever hearing anything that would be foreign to the fact that people without Jesus are lost. And they're not only lost, but they're in danger of being eternally lost. I'll be really honest with you. I, I, I sort of wish it were different, but the most powerful motive in my own life for sharing the gospel in the years that I've been in ministry, the most powerful motive has been the fact that people are going to be in hell if they don't somehow come into saving faith with Jesus. So the lostness of people, oh, you could expand that because of what it does for us. I, I don't know many Christians who are actively sharing their faith, who don't find the Christian life to be exciting. God intended that. He believed, I think, that when we get into his redemptive stream that we discover a degree of excitement that we don't find anywhere else. A tremendous satisfaction sharing the gospel and uh, telling other people what it does for me. That's, that's a part of a driving force. And you know, I couldn't imagine anything more wonderful than to get to heaven and to have somebody come up to you and say, hey, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be here in heaven if it weren't for you. I mean, Jesus is the one who saved me, but you're the one who told me about him. And if you hadn't told me about him, I might not be here. And I've been waiting on you to come to heaven because I've been wanting to thank you for sharing with me. I might not be here if it weren't for you. So, because of God and because of others and because of what it does for us, I see those as three, at least three areas of driving motivation for sharing.
thrilling news of Jesus with others. As I sat there, it felt like I was back in his class again as Dr. Roy Fish. Uh, Dr. Fish was my evangelism professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, I literally took every class he taught. He was one of my all-time favorite professors. Dr. Fish taught at Southwestern for nearly 50 years. He trained literally thousands of missionaries and ministers in how to share the gospel. It is said that he taught evangelism, trained more people in evangelism than anyone else in Southern Baptist history. Uh, He died on September, September the 10th, 2012 at the age of 82. And when he got to heaven, there were probably hundreds, more than likely thousands, who said, thank you. I wouldn't be in heaven if it wasn't for you. Jesus is the one who saved me, but you are the one who told me about him. Dr. Fish used to say that sharing the good news of Jesus is among the most logical natural, and important things a Christian can do. I want you to hear that one more time. Sharing the gospel of Jesus, sharing the good news about Jesus, Dr. Fish said, is one of the most logical, natural, and important things that a Christian can do. And I think he's right. But why is that true? Why is it that sharing the gospel is indeed one of the most logical natural, and important things you can do? Well, if you'll take your Bibles, I think the answer is found in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. This is what Paul said as he writes this letter to the church at Rome. Apostle Paul wrote these words, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. This is one of those verses that you need to memorize. This is one of those verses you probably should highlight in your Bibles. This is one of those verses that probably is the greatest statement about the gospel ever made in the Bible. Now, today is the last message in the series, Who's Your One? And we've been asking you this question, who's that one person that you're going to pray for every day and share Christ with eventually over the next 12 months? And we've had a great response to that. It's been so encouraging to me to hear the different responses. I was at a a breakfast meeting yesterday with our men, and they were talking about who's your one. I've heard of BSF classes who are talking about who's your one, and ladies groups who are talking about Who's your one? I've just heard a lot of chatter, positive chatter about uh, who's your one. But I've also heard something that was quite unique. Uh, I think it was last Sunday night, Tom gave me permission to share this. We were talking on that Sunday night service about who's your one. And and Tom Wells said, I think, preacher, preacher, I think God's given me my one, but I don't want him. He, he says, I want another one. I want a different one. <laughs> I asked if I could share that. He said, I don't care. That's fine. But we all need to be reminded sometimes that the one person that's in our lives is not necessarily 
the one we would choose. But maybe some God has brought somebody into your path, into your concentric circles of concern, if you will. And it may be that you're the person closest to them who knows Jesus. They're far from God, but they're close to you. And because they're far from God and close to you, they need you to share the gospel with them. We all need to be reminded that the gospel has the power to change anybody, even the hard cases. That's really what this verse is talking about. I want you to read it out loud with me. In fact, if you don't mind, let's just mind, let's stand in honor of God's word. And I want you to read verse 16, if you have the NIV. I want you to read it out loud with me. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, read it out loud with me. Here's what he says. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Thank you. Would you be seated? Now, using this text, I wanted to share with you briefly three reasons why you should be unashamed of the gospel. And the first reason is this. We should be unashamed of the gospel because it really is good news. Listen to verse 16 from the Living Bible. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. You know this probably already, but the word gospel, the Greek word there, literally, euangelon, literally means good news. In fact, it is the best news anybody could ever share. It's the best news anybody could ever hear. Now, I get why we don't share bad news. We don't share bad news because it's bad news, right? We don't want to hurt somebody. We don't want somebody to, to suffer because of what we're going to share. We don't want to make somebody uncomfortable because of what we're going to share. We don't want to upset someone, so we don't like sharing bad news, and I get that. But people normally aren't hesitant to share good news. Normally, they don't, they don't hesitate to share good news. A father has a new baby, he doesn't hesitate to tell people about it as he hands out the cigars. A doctor gets the test back and he doesn't hesitate to say, hey, it's benign, good news, it's benign. The weatherman is not ashamed to say, hey, good weather tomorrow. Teenager is not ashamed to tell her parents that she got 100 on the test. You see, that's just the way life is. When it's good news, we're normally not hesitant to share it. And yet... If we're honest, we probably have all had those times when we were ashamed of the gospel. We probably have all had those times, myself included, where we had those times and we had a chance to speak, but we didn't. We had a chance to share, but we remained silent. Now why do we do that? Why is it that sometimes we're ashamed to talk about Jesus. Well, over the years, I've heard two prominent excuses. One of them is this, I may say it wrong and do more harm than good. I'm just afraid I'm just going to say it wrong. I, I haven't had that kind of training. I, I, I'm afraid I'm going to say it wrong and do more harm than good. Now, let's look at the logic of that for just a moment. If I don't say anything to a lost person, then I don't have to worry about messing up. But they're still messed up, Right? You realize that? If I don't say anything to a lost person, I don't have to look foolish, but they're still in their sin. 
I'd rather be wrong and give them a chance to hear about Jesus than be silent and let them keep walking towards hell. You see, God can use your mistakes better than He can use your silence. So this whole idea, I may say it wrong, you need to just put that out of your mind. Because listen to me, everybody listen. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. The power is not in the presenter. The power is not in the presentation. The power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about how well you can present it. It's not about how eloquent you can say it. The power is not in you. The power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another reason that some people are hesitant and sometimes ashamed is because we conclude that they're not interested. I mean, we say no for them. They never even get a chance to say no to the gospel because we convince ourselves that they don't want to hear it. Do you know what we really are doing when we say that though? We're simply justifying our silence. According to a professor at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, he did a study of of U.S. Christians and he discovered in his study that only 5% of, of U.S. Christians have ever led anybody to saving faith in Christ. Only 5% which means 95% have never led anybody to saving faith in Christ. Now, we want to change that stat drastically this year. I like what, the way one pastor said it. He said, our goal should be that we make it as hard as possible for people to go to hell from our community. We make it our goal to make it as hard as possible. That is that we're telling people in our families, we're telling people that we work with, we're telling people we run around with that, about the good news of Jesus, that they deserve a chance to hear the gospel and respond. Now, imagine the impact it would make if every one of us said, you know what, I've never done this before, but over the next 12 months, I'm going to take one person and I'm going to pray for him, or I'm going to pray for her every day, and I'm going to eventually share Jesus with them over the next 12 months. Imagine the impact it would make if every one of us asked God to let us lead one person to Christ this year. Imagine how powerful it would be for you if you led your one to faith in Christ, and then I would, I'm kind of making this as a pledge to you, uh, and then you come up into the baptistry with me. And you stand in the baptistry as you watch your one up close profess their faith in Christ as they're baptized. What a powerful moment that would be to know that they're professing their faith in Jesus because you told them about Him. Now, here's the second reason we should not be ashamed of the gospel. We should be unashamed of the gospel because it has the power of God to change someone's life. It's straight out of Scripture. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. You see, the secret to the Apostle Paul's boldness is found right here in this verse. It's found in his conviction that the gospel is the power of God. He understood that when he went out preaching and teaching and telling people about Jesus, it was not the power of Paul. But he understood that in the gospel message, there lies the power of God. Ladies and gentlemen, you know and I know we are powerless to change somebody's heart. 
You may want desperately to change the heart of that son or daughter or that grandchild. You may want desperately to change the heart of your grandfather or grandmother. You may want desperately to change the heart of your best friend. But you know and I know none of us can change their heart. But there is a power that can. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can change the hardest heart. And listen, this was not theory for Paul. He knew better than anybody the power of the gospel to change someone's heart because he had experienced it. Well, the road to Damascus, when he met Jesus, he experienced the power of the gospel to change a heart and to change a life. And then wherever he went as he went about doing his ministry, he saw the power of God at work in Iconium. He was at the synagogue and he was telling people about Jesus. And it says a great number of Jews and, believe, uh, Jews and Greeks believed he saw the power of God at work. In Philippi, he was in jail and he started talking to the Philippian jailer. And the jailer was saved as well as in his entire household. He saw the power of God at work. In Corinth, he talked to the chief ruler of the synagogue, a guy named Crispus. And he placed his faith in Jesus along with all of his family. It just seems like everywhere that Paul went, he witnessed the same thing. He witnessed the power of God as he shared the gospel. Now look in your text one more time. I want to show you another word that's important. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, verse 16, because it is the power of God for the what? What's that next word? For the salvation. Salvation is an important term. The basic meaning is deliverance. That is, Paul was declaring that Jesus delivers us from the penalty and the power of sin. I like Titus 3.5 that says, He saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. This whole idea, He saved us, He delivered us, or you could translate it, He has rescued us. Now today is Palm Sunday. And on Palm Sunday, of course, as Jesus was going into Jerusalem, the crowds were shouting, Hosanna, which is a Hebrew word that literally means save us or save now. But they were shouting because they thought he would save them from the oppression of Rome. Jesus later died on the cross not to save them from the oppression of Rome. He died on the cross to rescue them from the oppression of Satan. And that's why we celebrate Palm Sunday. That's why we celebrate Easter. Because we have good news. There is one who can rescue you from the penalty and the power of sin. There is one who can rescue you from the dominion of Satan. And his name is Jesus. Now, can you think of anything more important than that? Can you think of any conversation more important than that conversation? You see, we should be unashamed of the gospel because it's the good news that has the power to change someone's life. There's nothing sweeter. There's nothing better. There's nothing greater than the gospel. Hollywood can make you famous. Wall Street can make you rich. A university can make you smart. A hospital can make you well. But only the gospel can make you saved. I love what Billy Graham once said. You know he's my hero. Billy Graham said, I wouldn't cross the street to talk to somebody about religion, but I would cross the world to talk to somebody about the gospel. Could you have a conversation this year? which is one person about the gospel. 
Thirdly and finally, we should be unashamed of the gospel because salvation is offered to everyone. Everybody look up here and tell you something. Whoever your one is, whoever they are, whatever they've done, whoever your one is, they are included in the invitation that Jesus makes. I love verse 16. The way he says this, look at the word, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of, there's the word, everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. If you mark your Bibles, if you haven't already, I would underline the word everyone. You know what that's saying? That is telling us that Christianity is not an exclusive club. Church is not a gated community. You see, the guy doing life in prison has the same opportunity as the guy who's never even gotten a speeding ticket. The girl who is caught up in human trafficking has the same opportunity as a young lady running an orphanage. A senior adult on his deathbed has the same opportunity as a young child at vacation Bible school. A college student who has never opened a Bible has the same opportunity as the person who has been raised in church. The gospel is for everybody because anybody can believe in Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 2 is a verse you probably need to know. It says, just, well, just go there real quickly. 1 John 2, 2. Look what it says. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Here's what it says. He, speaking of Jesus, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And everybody can say amen to that, right? Amen? He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen? But not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now that verse is not teaching universalism. It's not teaching that eventually everybody will somehow be saved. That's not what it's teaching. The verse is saying this, God is not an impartial God. God has died for everyone. He's not an impartial God. So anyone has the opportunity to place their faith in Christ. That's what the verse is saying. And look what it says just probably on the next page in your Bible. It's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the, the book prior to 1 John. Here's what it says. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. That is His promise that He's going to return. As some understand slowness, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but, what's that word? Everyone to come to repentance. Now, ladies and gentlemen, why should we be ashamed of that? Why is that something we should be hesitant to share? Because, listen, the gospel is good news. It's good news that can change somebody's life. And here's the amazing part. It's good news that can change somebody's life regardless of who they are. The gospel is for everyone. Even your one. Bob Russell tells a story, a true story of uh, being in California preaching revival. And he met a man in the church who was a Jew who became a Christian And he told Bob the unusual way that he came to faith in Christ. You see, this Jewish guy was a salesman. He was really into sales. And his favorite motivational salesman, speaker, and author was a Christian by the name of Zig Ziglar. Some of you know Zig Ziglar, wonderful man of God. He's in heaven now too, but a wonderful man of God. Just was an evangelist in his own way in in the business world. Wrote all kinds of books and had all kinds of conferences. Well, this guy, this Jewish guy 
wanted to see Zig Ziglar in person. He found out that he was going to be at a nearby conference center and hotel complex. And so he went to this seminar to hear his, his hero, Zig Ziglar, speak. At the end of the conference, Zig said, now I'm going to be down front for a few minutes. If anybody would like to meet me and want me to sign a book or something, I'd be happy to talk to you. And of course, he went down front and he met his hero. And a little bit later, as he was coming out of the conference center, his buddies were waiting on him. He said, hey man, how'd it go? He said, oh, it was awesome. So Zig is such a nice guy. In fact, he even invited me to his room. They said, what? Yeah, I guess he wants to talk sales or something. He, he invited me. Look, look here, he pulled out a business card that Zig had, had signed. Zig Ziglar. And on the bottom, he put RM1.16. He said, he's in room 116. He's invited me to his room. And the guys were Christians. He said, that's not his room. That's a Bible verse. He said, it's a what? It's a Bible. It's Romans 1.16. And so he got back to his hotel room. He got out a Bible and he looked up. Romans 1.16. He'd never read it before. He got the Bible out and he looked at it and, and he read these words. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew. Then for the Gentile, and he said to himself, I'm a Jew. I, I need to know what this is all about. And so he started reading that night the Bible, starting in the book of Genesis. And I don't know how long it took him, but he eventually read the entire Bible. When he got to the end, he was so intrigued, he went back and he read the entire Bible a second time. When he got to the end of the Bible the second time, he raised his arms toward heaven and said, this is the best news I've ever heard in my entire life. And then he fell on his knees and he asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. My point is simply this. To quote Dr. Fish, as he said earlier, God loves people. And he wants his love to be made known. And people without Jesus are lost. There can be, they will be eternally lost unless we tell them the good news. And when you take the chance to share the gospel, you'll discover that not only does it have the power to change their lives, it's the most exciting thing you'll ever do. So my question is a simple one. Who's your one? Who's that one person you'll pray for every day? Who's that one person that you'll share Christ with sometime in the next 12 months? Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed. Tell somebody the best news you've ever heard. Let's pray together. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to pray for your one. Pray for that person by name. And as we talked about last week, maybe pray that three open prayer. God, would you open the door? God, would you open their heart? And God, would you open my mouth? Take a moment and pray for them. If you don't have a one yet, would you pray God would bring somebody across your path, bring somebody into your life just this week you might meet who needs to meet Jesus? Father, together we pray for those who are far from you but close to us. May we have the desire, the willingness, the courage to be unashamed of the gospel. And we declare good news, realizing it has the power to change somebody's life. In 
thank you that it's open for everyone and anyone. Use us, we pray, beyond this sermon series. May this carry on as we share Jesus this year. In his name I pray. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. As part of this invitation, we're only going to sing one stanza this morning unless you're coming forward. But as part of this invitation, it may be that you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. And God has spoken to you today, and it's really kind of sounded like the best news you've ever heard. Your past can be forgiven, your present can be different, and your future can be secure. Because of your faith to everyone who believes, the Bible says. It's the power of God to change your life. The power of God for salvation. To rescue you from the dominion of sin. power of God of salvation for everyone who believes. Would you be willing to believe? Would you be willing to say, Jesus, I believe in you. And I put my faith in you today. I, 